0: This is Brojo Online, masculinity, confidence, and integrity, with Dan Munro. All right, looks like we're live. Welcome back, Brojo Online number 19, and today we're going to be talking about balancing investment levels in a relationship. Such a critical piece of managing relationships, and yet very few people do this consciously, and they suffer as a result. So we're going to be looking at that today, and this is really for people who are in friendships, relationships, clients, relationships, anything, whatever you want to call an interaction or a connection with another person, where you feel either you're giving too much or the other person is overwhelming you. We're going to have a look at what's happening there what it does to long-term relationships, and what you can do differently. So I don't know where we'll go with this conversation, but it's quite a fun one. And it's one that uh, really changed things for me personally. I used to be a significant over-investor. It's part of the nice guy, people-pleasing type personality. Would be that I was the over-investor in a relationship. I did more than the other person, more work, more effort, more time, more money more contribution. However, at the exact same time, I would underinvest in key areas like honesty, vulnerability, actually allowing myself to be committed. Those were things where I'd underinvest in order to protect myself. So we're going to have a look at that, and I want you to, as you go through this, I want you to think about the current connections in your life. I want you to think about your friends, your family, your lover or lovers, Everybody in your life who you have some form of ongoing connection, which you might refer to as a relationship, and start thinking about the investment levels in those relationships, the balance of those investment levels as we go through. So let's start by talking a little bit about what we mean by investment, balanced investment, and of course, unbalanced investment. So what is an investment? An investment is about what you're putting in, the gift that you give to the connection you have with another person. And this can be anything from the micro to the macro level. It can be in all sorts of different forms of currency too. When I say currency, I'm talking about the different ways that you invest time, energy, money, depth of conversation, secrets um love commitment these are all things that you invest all things that you put in that essentially you're taking a risk with at least in your mind these are all things that if they are not reciprocated you would consider it to be no return on your investment now i use this kind of term ironically for those of you familiar with the brojo way of looking at things We know that if you're to invest expecting a return, then you're already miles off track in terms of building a connection. So, always keep that in mind as we go through this conversation as well. The reason why you're investing should always be investigated more in your mind. Let's assume you've got a healthy reason for investing, or at least you think you do. Start thinking about what it means to invest, look at your current relationships. What are you putting into them? Who leads? Who's the one who initiates contact and suggests what you're going to do together and um, drives the relationship forward? Who's the one who says the more honest thing first? Who's the one who puts in more time, more effort, more energy So there's always going to be a lead and a follow dynamic. In any relationship, someone's going to initiate, someone's going to go first, and that is a form of investment. So ask yourself, am I a leader or a follower? And of course, ask yourself, am I passive? Do I simply wait for something to happen, which is a little bit different to following. So start thinking about your current relationships. What do you put into them? What do you consider to be your investment levels and so on? So already it should be becoming kind of clear to you what a balanced investment means. But I want to clarify a couple of points. So a balanced investment is about a feeling of equality with the investment coming from both parties. Yeah? A balanced investment is that whatever it is that you're putting into the relationship, you feel that they are putting in the same, or at least the same kind of amount of investment. And that that way, this is a healthy, respectful relationship. When we talk about balanced investment, the value we're really talking about today is respect. We're talking about the release phase of the 3X model, for those of you who are familiar with it. We're talking about that final phase where a space is created for respect to be built. And that that space is created equally by both parties. We're going to look a bit more into what that abstract thing means in real life. So having a look at that respect, when we talk about a balanced investment, we're going to talk about the feeling of respect both ways. Not only do you respect them, not only do they respect you, but you also respect yourself. You respect yourself, you respect them, they respect you. I guess it's three, three different types of respect occurring at the same time. By whatever that definition is for you, nobody can tell you what respect means. But understanding in a relationship that you will have two subjective ideas about what respect is, and for this relationship to work, for people to be able to connect and maintain that connection in a healthy, respectful way, you have to define respect with each other. One of the key issues that leads to unbalanced investment in a relationship is people simply don't talk about this shit. They don't. They don't go up to each other and say, hey, this is how much I feel I'm putting in, and this is how much I feel you're putting in. These conversations don't occur. Instead, resentment occurs when they feel that it's imbalanced. And we'll look at that a bit more in a minute. So for now, think more about... What does it mean for you to be respectful, to feel that you're being respected, and to respect yourself? What is the definition of that for you in a relationship? Now, many of you might be watching this particular video because you feel that a relationship you're in right now is not balanced. Or perhaps that all of your relationships are imbalanced. So it's really important before you go about trying to balance these relationships that you try to come to a definition of what respect means. What would a balanced relationship mean? How would you know it was happening? Now I want to help you define that in a healthy way because a lot of people have very unhealthy interpretations of this. One of the key issues that comes up to this is around the currency. We all give in different ways, and we expect often that others will give the same way that we give, so that's what we'll measure them on. There's a great example, there's, there's two really, uh, really open and honest ladies in the Brojo community at the moment, and they often talk about their friendship with each other. It's really awesome to, to learn from. And what they've identified is that they give in different ways. One person gives with time and another person gives with effort. So effort and time are not the same thing. So if I was to give with time, I would spend a lot of time with somebody who I respected. So if someone was important to me, if someone was a high status relationship in my mind compared to my other relationships, I'd spend more time with that person if my respect currency was time. Now, if my respect currency was effort, I might not spend nearly as much time. But when I did, there would be this effort I put into it. I might, for example, the, the ladies at Brojo put it best, one person will spend a lot of time, the other one will make dinner. So when you go spend time with her, she's put a lot of effort into the time you're going to spend to, with each other. However... If these two were not aware of this, and at some point they weren't, I've talked about this, then each one is going to feel that the other one isn't contributing equally because they're measuring how they invest against the other person. So the one who uses time is measuring how much time the other person puts in and saying she doesn't put in as much as I do. This is unbalanced. Unbalanced. Whereas person two is measuring how much effort she puts in. She thinks all she does is spend time with me. She doesn't do big things. She's not doing as much as me. Yet, this is like international currency. There is a transfer rate here. To put it in a, a just an arbitrarily practical way, person one spending three hours is kind of the same amount of effort as person one putting half an hour into making a dinner for the two of them. There's this kind of balanced investment with different currency. So before you start deciding whether or not you have a balanced investment with someone, you need to figure out what is the currency. And the only way you can figure out this currency is to discuss it with the other person. There's going to be some things where you have the same currency and it will simply be an equal amount that you put in. There will be other things where the currency is vastly different and you guys have to translate it yourselves. You guys have to figure how much of this is the same as this much of that. That was a complicated sentence. You need to figure out what a balance looks like and have that openly discussed regularly, agreed upon, almost contractual, so that at any point in time, if someone feels things are unfair, you can refer back to this currency To figure out if things are balanced or imbalanced, or simply perceived as one or the other without being quite accurate. The thing is, if you have different currencies, you'll pretty much always eventually come back to feeling like there's an imbalance, because your mind's constantly looking for your own currency. These conversations will need to happen regularly. You will need to regularly check in with the people in your life every time you feel there's an imbalance. One of the most detrimental things you can bring to a relationship is hidden resentment. This leads to contempt. And contempt is actually shown through longitudinal relationship studies to be the most divisive, the most destructive thing you can bring to a relationship. When you look at someone else and you have contempt for their lack of investment or their overinvestment, the relationship's almost definitely doomed. This can all be prevented and healed, if it's already happening, with open discussions around balanced investment. So, before you can do that, you need to be certain in your own mind, what does a balanced investment look like? What is the currency I like to bring to this investment? What is the currency they bring to it? And what would a balance of those things be? Yeah. Um, If I look at uh, my own connections with people, there'll be some with, like, say, with my best friend, where we never need to have this conversation because neither of us ever feels that there's a sense of unfairness. There's always a sense of respect, and we have the exact same currency. We both bring the same amount of humor, time, effort, uh, interest, attention. We bring the same things to to our friendship, because we're very similar-minded psychologically. We often joke about how you could switch our brains and no one would notice. you know. Whereas that is vastly different to my relationship with my girlfriend. What she brings to the relationship is, essentially, she's strong where I'm weak. So the things I suck at doing, she does really well. Organizing, planning, cleaning. These are all things that I let fall quite often. And she'll bring these things into my life and I benefit greatly from these things. But I'm not going to reciprocate with that. I can't bring that into her life. Even if I tried, it's never going to outdo the way she can do it for herself. I'd be holding her back. You know. But I bring other things into the relationship, or at least I think I do. You know, in terms of decision making, driving forward, stability. I bring them more masculine, she brings them more feminine. We balance according to that. Yet there are other things, say, for like the finances, where we had to sit down and look at the dollars each of us are bringing into this relationship and get that balanced. I pay more for this, she pays more for that. I save there, she saves here. We had to get that sense that that currency, which is literally currency, was equal. So some things, you give your strength, I'll give my strength. And other things, let's give the same thing. It's the only way we can balance there. The thing is, nobody can tell you how this is going to work. You have to have individual conversations with the people in your life to ensure this balance takes place. Now, you'll already be thinking, God, I don't want to do that. You know, Either I don't want to do that with everyone. It sounds like a massive use of time. Or I'm scared to do that with the people who are important to me. It's in that second category I want you to focus. You don't need to have a balanced investment conversation with everybody in your life. As long as you get a sense that things are fair, so be it. It's when you get a sense that they're not, with someone who's important to you, that this is really required. And if that person is important to you, there's no point in waiting for the unfairness to take place. Preempt it and prevent it through these kind of conversations. If you want a connection to get deeper, you have to come to an agreement around what investing depth looks like. You know, And this will keep coming up. If you're saying like, okay, here's some deep secret from my childhood. And they're like, thanks for that information. And they give you nothing back. And you feel unfair. And you say, now you need to tell me something. I'm feeling vulnerable and exposed here. I've given you this deep, meaningful shit. And you've given me the block wall. I don't know anything about you. I feel like you've got this over on me now. Share something deep. Balance it out. So not only does this conversation happen at the beginning of the relationship, it will continue to happen during, particularly when you hit these new areas of investment. You're doing something new. You're giving something deeper. You're spending more. You're doing something that requires a revisitation of the original balanced investment agreement. You have to keep this agreement flexible, keep updating it. You think about sort of your classic household where one you've got raising children, one person's staying home to do most of the child raising, another person's leaving the house to do most of the income. That is two completely different levels of investment into the family. Two type different types or currencies of investment into the family. That kind of relationship requires a lot of talking, a lot of being open. You know, do you feel this is fair? What would be fear? What isn't? You get that kind of thing. um, There's a relationship I'm aware of at the moment where the guy has been raised in in a household where he comes from a culture where men are very entitled. Basically, the man is expected to provide income, but nothing else. He can do whatever he likes, and the woman is required to do everything else. Raising the children, keeping the house nice, organizing everything, planning everything, initiating sex, everything. Yet because the man devalues the woman's investment, he thinks that his currency is worth more than hers. They both constantly feel that things are unfair. She feels like she's doing more work than he is, and he feels like his work's more worthwhile than hers. And so they constantly feel out of balance and they constantly conflict. (laughs) Understanding just because you work eight hours a day and your partner stays home with the children, you need to be sure that that was the same amount of effort, time, energy, whatever it is you want to measure it on before you start calling it balanced. Yeah, It might be easy to do your job compared to raising your hellish child, in which case when you get home, maybe you do more of the chores. These are the kind of conversations you need to have. Now, why? Why do I keep saying you need to have them? You know, Why do I keep making it like sound like some sort of requirement? Why can't you just avoid this and let things go the way they'll go? We're going to look at unbalanced investments now. And before we do, there's a, there's a cognitive bias, a, a mental problem I want to bring up. It's something that uh, I've seen so often, and it's an expectation really related to the way to the word "should," it's an expectation a lot of people bring into a, into a interaction, a relationship of any kind. Is is this "they should" concept? Now, what this comes from is your belief that other people think like you, that other people have the same currency and the same desires and motivation that you do. A lot of people have this assumption for some reason, I had it for a long time, I thought everyone basically thought like I did, and I used to get really upset and disappointed when I saw evidence that they didn't. I'd always considered that they had let me down, that they knew the way things should work and they weren't doing it. You might see that somebody comes from a house where they're raised to be really clean and neat and tidy, and then they go out flatting for the first time and the flatmates are slob, and they get angry at the flatmate say, like, you should know that you do your own dishes. You should know that you hang the towel up. You should know that you need to mop the floor. This should, because that's what you know, because that's what you believe. That's what you think. So many people bring this into a relationship, and they think it's so obviously a should. This person should know that this is the way we should do things, that they don't bother saying it out loud. Instead, what they do is they witness every time the person doesn't live up to that expectation and they hold it against them. They don't say anything. Or when they do say something, it's telling them off for something they didn't even know was a rule. And their resentment builds on both sides. So you're someone who was raised to think, hey, you just do the dishes at the end of the day. You don't need to do them after every meal. And you're in a relationship with someone who says you need to do them before you even eat. There must be a constantly spotless kitchen at all times. So person one leaves the dishes and starts eating their meal and person two sees this happen. And they get grumpy. They get upset. He should know you're supposed to do the dishes. It's obvious. It's normal. He's choosing not to because he hates me. That's why. He's choosing not to because he doesn't respect me. And this kind of assumption of motive, this, you're doing this to harm me, starts to build. And it might lead to an immediate conflict, which is probably that actually could be quite healthy in this situation. So I can't believe you haven't done the dishes. And dude's like, why would I do the dishes now? I'm I'm, I'm eating. I want to enjoy my meal, for fuck's sake. And they might end up having a discussion that leads to them going, oh, we've got different ideas about the dishes. How do we compromise on this? Or how do we... Actually, I shouldn't have used that word compromise. I don't believe in it. Um, But how do we come to an agreement around this? Whereas... The other person, you know, whereas in the next situation, the person might think, can't believe he hasn't done the dishes, doesn't say anything, and just holds it in. So he never does the dishes. Or I can't believe he never does the dishes. He never does anything around the house. He never does anything to help me. He's such a bastard. It builds and builds and builds, and the resentment builds with it. And Robert Glover's book, "Normal More Mystic Nice Guy, talks about a covert contract. And this is so often related to this uh, this assumption: people should think the way I think. You know, this idea that I don't need to say it; you should just know. So, an imbalance investment almost always starts with this. You know, so if you're in an imbalance investment right now, step back and go: What's the assumptions you've made? You can see this, I used to overinvest with women when I was trying to get into a sexual relationship with them, and it came from that really toxic, nice guy, people-pleasing type thing. I've been nice to you, you should repay me with sex. Now, I never asked for that outright. It seemed like such a terrible thing to ask for, and yet that's what I was doing my behavior for. So I couldn't even admit to myself that I had this contract, and so I was just trapped in endless frustration and resentment. I'm being a nice guy, why am I not being rewarded? I should be rewarded. So what is an imbalanced investment? You can only have balance or one person overinvesting and another person underinvesting. Think of it as two opposing forces meeting in the middle. As soon as one person overinvests, the other person by default must underinvest, and that goes both ways. You can't have someone do underinvest and balanced. If someone underinvest, the other person will come to meet them. If someone overinvest, the other person can't get past them to a balanced connection. They can only underinvest. How does this look in real life? Let's say, for example, you start dating someone, they're really needy and clingy. They're constantly texting you all the time, they want to see you all the time, they're asking questions all the time, they're overinvesting. You're repelled by this behavior, so you draw back. You know you don't need to bother initiating things with them, so you don't invest there. They'll do it for you. You know you don't need to pursue them or invest any of your time or energy and effort into this because they're going to like you anyway. So you draw back. And you keep pulling back and they keep chasing you and the overinvestment eventually pushes you away completely. The other way around occurs as well. I get so many especially men I work with, why doesn't she text me back? Odds are it's because you've overinvested. Rather than allowing space for her to decide her level of contribution, you're trying to force it. And this is so often what overinvestment is, is a trying to get. You're chasing after them. And as you chase, they run away. So chasing is a, is a great form of overinvestment, And what we see here is somebody who's not willing to lose. So whenever we're in an imbalanced investment, almost always, and I'd say actually always, you've got one person who's more willing to lose than the other. That's essentially all you're looking at. One person is more willing to lose the relationship than the other person is. One person is less committed. The other person, the one who overinvests, is strongly unwilling to lose. They do not want to allow the other person, the situation, to decide to leave. They try to prevent that from happening. It's like if you're dating someone, you text them a question. You're trying to make them respond. You're trying to grab them and make them invest. You could say, hey, I'm thinking about you today, and just leave that, and they can decide whether they want to respond. Or you'll say something like, hey, what are you thinking about today? And they feel this compulsion to have to answer your question. And you're hoping that, hey, she, you know, she answers me. She must like me. You know, this kind of thing happens. So an imbalanced investment is really somebody's neediness pushing them past the level of equal into over. You can also see that we, we have rules that occur that, that force us into either over-investing or under-investing. So a common underinvesting rule is you know, this idea that you can't let someone get too close and know too much about you too early on. You need to protect yourself because you need to trust someone before you can be open with them. I see a lot of people living by this, and because of that, they only put one foot into a potential relationship. They never dive into it. I had a client I was talking to just on the weekend about this. He can't really seem to get a deep and meaningful connection with his girlfriend, but as he puts it he's always got one foot out of the relationship. He's protecting himself from getting too hurt by not investing too much. He wants her to open up with him, but he's not opening up to her. So underinvesting often comes from this it's safer concept. you know with, uh, with women what I see more likely is waiting for him to call, waiting for him to initiate. This kind of thing, like it's the guy's job to do this, you know. And there can be reversed as well. This isn't even gender specific. You'll get guys who think, "Oh, it's the girl's job to do that," and they sit and wait passively for each other rather than acting honestly, like "I want this, so I'll ask for it. I want this, so I'll suggest it." They don't do that. They go, "No, it's you should." So I'm going to wait. And this all comes from this protective thing. You don't want to overinvest. And you're so scared of over-investing that you under-invest. You think there's only over-investing or under-investing. There isn't this balance. Because you've never achieved it before or you don't know how it's achieved when it happens. So under-investment can come from rules. Overinvestment over-investment as well. Uh, the man has to pay. That's a rule that can cause over-investment. It starts a precedent where one person... Is uh, contributing financially more than the other person, it's really easy to allow a precedent to become a pattern and a pattern to become a rule. You know, there's a lot of things like if you take some people dating, a lot of precedents get set on the first date, and so many people are worried about this that they have all these rules. You know, rather than just doing what feels natural every time you go on a date, which might mean changing what happened last time. Maybe last time you paid because you thought, well, I invited them out, so it's my obligation to pay. And next time I'm like, well, this time they really wanted to come out with me, so we go halves this time. They would be adjusting to each date, but what somebody will do is like, I have to pay each time. And so they'll pay each time. And then they wonder why the other person becomes kind of needy around money. They've actually created this situation. So the next time you start getting resentful is like, I pay for everything. So yeah, you chose to. What are you complaining about? It's not their fault. You overinvested. They had no choice but to underinvest. They can't step up and pay now because you won't let them. So when you suddenly step back and go, hey, you don't pay, they're gonna be left going, well, I don't understand. So understand when when somebody you feel that somebody else is underinvesting, the only way they can underinvest is if you overinvest. Even if they invest only a fractional amount, you guys can still meet in the middle where you only invest the same level as they do. So if they won't text you back, then you don't text them back. Right? You send your one text. If they don't respond, they're gone. Goodbye. Not, I'll send another one, and another one, and another one. Hey, why won't they respond? I'm not being needy. This kind of idea. On a side note, I keep referring to texts. Please call people instead of using text. Just try it. Stop being a pussy. Okay. So let's say we've identified that you're in an unbalanced relationship. Okay. You're putting in more, or they're putting in more. Somebody's not coming to the party. Or you're both putting in equal, but it needs to go deeper. It's a superficial, shallow thing where you're both trying to underinvest, right? Or it's overly intense where you're both trying to overinvest. It's kind of back and forth thing that can happen. I get needy and push you away. And then I get scared that I'll push you away. So I leave and then you get needy and chase me and back and forth. you know. And nobody really is enjoying themselves. Let's have a look at what creating a balanced investment looks like. So according to the 3X model, this is the release phase. This is where... You've made your investment, and it's all about what happens next. So a balanced investment will require, if you want to live by the value of leadership, and I mean leading yourself, not just leading others, but leading yourself, you'll need to choose to invest rather than wait. A follower waits for somebody else to invest first. A leader invests first. So what we do is we look at making our investment first and then there's about what happens next. So I'll give you an example. Let's say I'm on a date with somebody and I decide, you know it's time to take this deeper. I'm going to lead us deeper. So what I'll do is I'll invest by telling them something more deeper and meaningful about myself. So I might tell them some something I'm ashamed of, a secret of some kind, something that they don't know about me, that I'm scared for them to know about me. And this is where the, the nature of the investment becomes really important. You become willing to lose your return on the investment. So when I tell someone a secret about myself, I'm willing for them to not reciprocate. I'm willing for them, for this to actually end the relationship because they don't reciprocate. When I spend money on, on a relationship, I'm willing to lose that money. I'm willing for that to be an investment that did not pay out. You know, I look at uh, my current relationship with my girlfriend. I've already pre pre booked my tickets to go spend time with her and her family in Christmas in the Czech Republic. I don't know if our relationship's going to last that long. I don't know if any relationship can last. So that's an investment I'm willing to lose. If our relationship doesn't work, I've lost that money. But that's the investment I'm willing to put in at this stage, right? I've invested. I'm taking a risk. So that's what a leader does. They take a risk with their investment. However, in order to balance it, they demand reciprocation. It doesn't have to be the same currency, but it has to be a balance. So let's start with the idea that the issue is they are not investing. And then we'll have a look at the issue they're over-investing. Let's so say you made your investment and they do not follow. They do not reciprocate. They do not match you. What do we do next? Now, this is where 90% of people will then over-invest. They will chase the investment. They'll try to go and get it. You know, you call someone, they didn't call you back, you'll try calling them again. You know, you, you paid for something, they didn't pay you back, you'll try paying for something again to make them feel guilty to pay you back. You cleaned up the kitchen, they didn't clean it the next day, you clean it again. So, idea, you keep investing more and more as a way to encourage them to invest. And all you're doing is pushing them away. If you keep cleaning the kitchen, they see no need to clean it. If you keep paying for stuff, they've got nothing to pay for. If you keep calling them, there's no reason why they should call you. You push them away and then you resent them for it. So how do we encourage investment? I'd say at the lowest level, and this is a, a word that will be a metaphor in many ways, silence. Let's start with the initial conversation type level of a relationship. You're just talking to someone and you feel like you've already said enough. You feel like you've been talking too much or you feel like you've now led things to a deeper level. You've said something beyond what's already been said. Silence is where you're willing to shut your mouth for as long as it takes for them to reciprocate. Where you're going to create a space where they can talk. And if they choose not to, you're going to hold that space. Essentially, you're saying now to them, with your silence, share or leave. Invest or this is over. It's that kind of, it's an ultimatum really. But it's a real one. Not an empty threat. But actually an invitation. Either connect with me or leave. Those are your two options. I'm not going to chase you here. So I'm on a date with someone I was like, you know, when I was a child, I used to be such a crybaby, you know, up until about the age of seven. Like if I fell over, hurt my knee, I'd be the one that cried, you know. And I was actually, I developed like a bit of a complex about this. You know, I got a bit, uh, bit ashamed of myself as being the crybaby kid. And then what I ended up doing was like cutting that off and just like not crying forever after that, you know. It was this real kind of emotional shame thing I did. So I say something like that and then I stop talking. Now, if they ask me a question or they want to dive deeper, I will actually hold a silence. Now, I might actually hold a silence by by talking. And what I mean by that is they're like, oh, really? Why did you do that? i will be like, no, you know what? I feel a bit uncomfortable just sharing that with you. You tell me something about you first. The silence where I keep going, no, it's your turn. But in a, in a literal sense, silence is simply waiting. You tell them something, they're just like, whoa. And you keep holding the silence. You're like, I'm done talking now. It's it's your turn. Continue. Go. You say all of this with your silence. You can even say it with your body language, like, and give them that uh, invitation. Silence can be also around initiating. So you initiate something, and they follow, and you believe that a balanced investment will be then their turn to initiate. Now, here's where most people go wrong in that they ex- sit back and expect it. You know, I initiated sex last night, so she should do it tonight. I'll lie here in bed until she does. She's not doing it. What a bitch. She must hate me. Whereas somebody who balances investment said, you know what, last night I got things going, so tonight's your turn. And then they wait. They hold the silence and they do not invest. Now, what will happen over time when you hold a silence is that you'll see whether or not they're going to fill that space. And you can give them as much encouragement and open contractual agreement as possible. You can even say later, hey, you might have noticed I was going quite silent during dinner because I feel that uh, you know I'm, I'm investing so much more and telling you so much more about myself than you're telling me. So whenever I hold a silence, that's because I'm wanting you to like match me in what you say. Now, the next time you have dinner, you do the same thing and still they don't. And the next time, still they don't. Because you're holding that silence, you will quite clearly and quickly see they are not investing in this like I am. And you'll end it. You'll end it before you get in too deep. You'll end it before you've invested so much that you feel compelled to stay, to compelled to get a return on the massive investment you've made. That's what so many over-investors do. They go into a relationship they give and they give and they give and they give and they give, expecting to get something back, which is a really toxic reason for giving in the first place, and then they trap themselves. They're like, I've given so much, I can't bail now. This has to work. It's been seven years, and they're still not investing like I am, but hey, maybe one day they will. We all do this, don't we? Whereas if you like third date, you're like, fuck, I'm doing all the work. I can clearly see that because I keep giving them opportunities to match me, and they keep refusing those opportunities, fuck this, I'm out. And you save yourself seven years of misery. So Silence giving them the opportunity to fill a silence. Understand, quite often somebody wants to invest, but they're somewhat introverted. It takes them time to come to their conclusion, to come to their answer. And because you're on it all the time, they don't get a chance. You're so scared of losing them that you don't allow a silence to fill. In order to allow someone to invest, you have to be willing to lose them. You have to be willing for a, a conversation to end. You have to be willing for them to walk out. You have to be willing for them to Show that they're not interested in you. You have to allow that space for it to occur. Let them match you. And call them out when they don't. Giving freely. If you're giving to get something, if the whole reason that you invest is so that they invest back, that's not really giving, is it? It's more like putting someone in debt. You think of yourself as such a good person because you're the one who leads the conversation and keeps things flowing. But if you're doing that so that they like you, so that they repay you with sex or something like that. Essentially, all you're doing is putting them in debt. You're obliging them. It's hardly giving. So before you even go into a relationship, you're going to be so much more likely to gain respect both for yourself and from others if you're going in there already balanced. And that is you give freely and then you wait for them to reciprocate not, you give and then hope that they'll give something back. So I'll go and give my gifts all the time, and the people who reciprocate, I'll go deeper with them. The people who don't, I leave them behind me on the trail. I think about it, I, uh, I kind of like watching ants for some reason. It's this weird thing. Ants, you know, if you watch a line of ants walking from like, whatever, dead moth back to their hole. They got this kind of pattern where they kind of, as they walk past each other, they'll touch feelers. It's kind of like it seems like they're probably passing on a message or something, maybe a perfume from the queen or something. And sometimes they'll sit and sort of chat for a bit, and other times they'll just touch, and other times they'll skip each other completely and move on. Busy little things, aren't they? I think about this when it comes to especially social connection is I'll go and give things to people, like, here's a bit of honesty, here's something about myself, hi, how's it going, I'll lead. Their reciprocation will determine how much more I put in. If I go up to someone and say, like, I'm so tired today, my God. I tell them, like, quite openly and vulnerably how I'm feeling. And they're like, "Eh, that's nice. That's the end of that relationship for me. I'm done now. There are seven billion more people in the world for me to meet. If that's their best response on my first go, I can't be bothered. Now if they want more from me, if they do want to connect and they just were feeling shy or whatever, they can come find me later. And they can lead and we'll start this thing again. But I'm gonna leave that open silent space. When I feel like, no, you haven't matched me yet. I'm out. Now if I really think they're a high value person to me, I might encourage them. I might Put a little bit more effort in before I give up. You know, I might say, come on, mate. How are you really feeling? And so oh, good. I'm right. Okay, well, nice talking to you. And I'm off. Off to find the next person who, when I go up to them and say, man, I'm feeling really tired today. Like, God, me too. You know, I've been burning myself out this week. Like, here we go. Here's an investor. Now we're talking. But I'm ready to lose them at any moment. You know, really lose them at any moment. It's the same with a job. If I'm going to work for some company and I put in my hard hours and hard work, I go, you know what? You know, I've been putting in a lot of hard hours and hard work. I think I deserve a pay rise. They're like, nah, nah, nah. Okay. Well, it was nice knowing you. Goodbye. I'm willing to lose them if they don't invest in the way that I believe is fair. So you can demand investment. You can say things like, I feel like I'm doing all the talking. You say something now. You know, well, I paid for everything last week. I really think for it to be fair, you need to pay for things this week. You can say this and then watch their response and allow their response to form a conversation where you come to an agreement or come to an, an understanding that you'll never agree on balanced investment and it's time to end the connection. What about the other way around? What about when you want to invest in someone but the other person's just too needy? You can't get a word in because they talk all the time. You can't you don't get a chance to miss them because they contact you all the time. You wouldn't mind paying for stuff, but they pay for things before you've even had a chance. So if the first strategy to deal with someone under investing is silence, to deal with someone over investing is a form of interrupting. You need to stop their investment level in order for it to balance. Now, there's some people are so needy that you just won't be able to help them. And the only way that they're going to learn is by losing people. And so you need to let them lose you. And you can tell them this. You can be like, look, man, I really wanted to be friends with you, but you're just so needy. You just chased me so hard. It was a really unbalanced investment. You didn't give me a chance to contribute. And now I just kind of resent you for it, you know, so I'm out. Um, But essentially, I'll interrupt. So in in a conversation level, someone's talking, I'll be like, stop. You know, you just said like five things. I'm still digesting the first thing. Let me just share a story about that first thing you were talking about. And you'll basically come in, you'll cut them off and invest. And they go, now you can turn... Another thing is you can actually give them this kind of uh, calming boundary setting. You can be like, stop, stop, stop. You're babbling. Look, I know this is a first date. It makes us nervous and stuff. You don't have to impress me. Seriously. You know, we can have silences. You don't need to tell me everything about yourself straight away. Make sure that I'm balanced too, you know. You should make sure that I'm, I'm giving as much as you're giving. Right now, you're doing all the work. It's not fair. You can tell them all of this. Right? You can give them that sense of like, hey, just relax. This isn't like the other times. Just chill. So you can either provide a silent space for them to invest more, or if you feel that you're they're already overinvesting, it's cut them off. Say stop it. Stop talking. Stop paying for that. Stop doing too much. Stop cleaning. And if either people, if they refuse to fill the silence with more investment, or they refuse to stop over-investing, it's over. Because there is nowhere healthy for that relationship to go. It can only end in resentment and contempt. So regardless of who's investing more, you need to be willing to lose them. One last thing. How do we know the difference between someone who simply needs to invest more versus someone who's a bad fit for us? Yeah? Yeah. It's about training your gut feeling, and you train your gut feeling by having these conversations where you come to agreements with people. What's really interesting is somebody who's a healthy fit for you will be open to coming to an agreement, and this is one of the make or break things. If you go to someone, look, I feel like I'm doing too much of the work, they might not agree with you, but they'll be open to talking about it with you if they're a good fit. They'll be like, really? I feel different, but let's, let's figure this out. If someone challenges you and fights you on this, they're like, no, I do all the work, blah, blah, blah. If they're unwilling to even be open to a, to a conversation about fairness, then why do you have them in your life? Why would you be in a connection with someone who's so disrespectful? In that situation, what I'd do is say, look, I wanted to have a conversation with you about respect. I don't know who's right or wrong. It doesn't even matter. But the fact that you don't even want to have a conversation about what it means to respect me is an act of disrespect. So we're going to have to cool things. you know. I'm going to give you two days to think about it. If you want to come to a respectful agreement about how we have a relationship, awesome. I'm open to talking about it. If you still feel that this is just a big unfairness and you don't even want to talk about it, then I'm afraid we're done. You can steal my words if you like, but ultimately it should come from the heart. You don't have to say it all perfect and articulate. A lot of guys at Brojo always go on like, oh, we can't say it like you do. I've had a lot of fucking practice. I'm not better at it than than anyone naturally. When I first started trying to balance investment and set boundaries like this, I was a babbling mess. You know, I've had a lot of practice. Start with people you feel safe with. You know, somebody, you'll, you'll be in an imbalanced relationship but right now with somebody who you're totally safe to bring it up with. You know, you've been paying for coffee every week, and they've been letting you do it. You just want to go, hey, you know what, can we start splitting the coffee bill? I'm starting to feel a bit guilty that I'm I'm paying for things all the time. I feel like I'm disrespecting myself there. If they're a good fit for you, they'll be like, fuck, of course, man. Or they'll be like, hey, well, you know what, how about you pay for coffee, I'll pay for lunch. They'll, they'll respect you. You'll be able to, this asking for a balanced investment, even if you're wrong, if it turns out, well, they have been balanced. You just weren't paying attention to their currency. They'll be open to talking about it if they're a good fit. So to finish this up with the actions I suggest you take first off is you write a list of the top sort of 10 connections in your life, the people you spend the most time with. Ask yourself if it feels balanced. Do you feel that one person is giving equal amount? Now, bear in mind, if you feel it's balanced, you might actually feel that way if the other person's over overinvesting. So it's really obvious when you're overinvesting because you feel resentful and stressed and and frustrated and they're not meeting your expectations and on and on. But when they're overinvesting, sometimes it just feels easy. You know, it's just like oh, this is a great relationship, and you don't realize that they're doing all the work. So with all those relationships that you feel are balanced, double check them. And the only way you can double check them is to ask the other person if they feel it's balanced. You can go up to them and say, look, I'm just reassessing all the relationships in my life. I want to make sure that, you know, I put an equal effort to the people who are important to me than what they put in. And I wondered if maybe, you know, you're doing more of the work in our connection. I want to balance that out. How do you feel about it? Give them that chance, you know, and build from there. That kind of practice, having those kind of conversations with the safer people will be really, really beneficial for you in the long term when it comes later on to essentially what you might call as high-risk relationships. Like if you're going to get married to someone, you better make sure the two of you know what a balanced investment looks like because otherwise it's going to destroy you in the longer term. All right. See how you go with that information. Email me if you have any questions, dan at brojo.co.nz, um, and we'll see how you go. All right, guys. Have an awesome week.